Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi there and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, your weekly podcast where we take the questions of Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and apply them to modern life and love. You are joined by your very own Lily and Rose Goldenblatt. It's Juno Dawson <laughs> and Dylan B. Jones. Hi. Hiya, how are you? Good, good. It's been a busy week, but um, yeah, it's all good. It has been a week. Yeah. Um, I've just come from emergency therapy. <laughs> Um, uh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, well, because there's all this stuff around the GRA and Liz Truss oh, has... Wow. I did have... I'm not going to lie. I had a tiny breakdown, Dylan. Well, um, it's that is completely understandable. I, I mean, I'm privileged in that I can afford therapy and have, on and off, had the same therapist for a couple of years now. And so I reached out to him on Monday when I was in a really bad place. And I was just like... I know what's happening and I know exactly what you're going to tell me. But, but I need to hear it. I need to hear it from you. Yeah. And and so he he was really good. And although since, since Sunday, when the Sunday Times leaked reports that Liz Truss isn't only planning to not make life easier for trans people, she's going to actively make life harder. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was incredibly stressful and it did at one point you know I was I think on the Sunday I kind of almost just shut down I froze yeah I, I just felt so defeated and obviously a lot of people were reaching out to me to kind of look for clarity both trans people and cis people reaching out and saying what does this mean what does it mean for you and I was in such a bad place I was like well honestly this might mean that trans people are going to be segregated against you know that this it's really it is now looking like we're we're approaching some sort of segregation whereby trans people will not be able to live in public you know i know for a lot of people at the guardian you know this conversation is about you know what is a real woman and what is a single sex space and do trans rights pose an opposition to cisgender women but for trans people, it's the difference of whether or not we can go to Cineworld, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, so it's just, it's really, really scary. So yeah, so it was, it was really, really scary. I had, I had a nice, I went and met my friends in the park for some socially distant yeah. kind of friendship therapy. And it's been really encouraging this week to see how many cis allies there are. And I think people are starting to recognise the sort of the situation that trans people are, gonna, are looking at now. Um, yeah. That this is, 
perhaps the most serious like civil rights issue of maybe the last 10 years, which is the government is looking to restrict the movements of trans people in public spaces. Um, Do you know what? I think it's it's time to abolish the government and make our own rules. Just, we might have to. I mean... (laughs) The The time has fucking come. Like, honestly, I know that that's obviously like a really idealistic and unrealistic thing to say, but I'm sure listeners know what I'm getting at when I say that. Like... For fuck's sake, this is it. Just get rid of them. We're in a political tinderbox at the moment. Yeah. Whereby we can all see. I mean, you'd have to be fairly blinkered to think that the government has done a good job with coronavirus. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure some people I'm sure some people do think that, but I think that and this is great. I think that this it's been a long time since the support for the Tory party has been this low. <laughs> That's a silver lining. But yeah. <laughs> but what that has what that has meant is I think there is nationwide there is an enormous distrust now yeah. of the people who are supposed <laughs> to be leading the country. And I think all that stuff with Dominic Cummings as well. You know, so we've seen that our government is both corrupt and inept. Yeah. And and so quite rightly you've got um, black people, disabled people, trans people, gay people saying, fuck you, you yeah. are both corrupt and inept. I think everyone's saying that, to be honest, from what I've, from what I've seen and heard. I, I would like listeners, hopefully, to understand that trans people are such a small minority that what we have here is a government really aiming for the lowest hanging fruit yeah. to sort of, I think, send out a signal to their right wing hardcore that we are we are on your side and we've got this under control. You yeah. know, even even though if you've not been following this story, 70% of people who responded to the government's consultation said they supported trans rights. Yeah. So this is not only terrifying for trans people, it's also undemocratic. And it's also scary because that shows that it's not... I mean, obviously we knew anyway that it wasn't in the public interest, but that shows they don't even think they're doing it in the public interest. They know that they're not. It's an agenda. Fully. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so so that's what they were at. And, but, and I would say, you know, looking at some of the people who operate within this government, you know, quite high up in this government, you know, they, they wouldn't stop at trans people. You know, this would have knock-on for abortion rights. This could have knock-on for all sorts of things. So I think... Yeah. It looks like by the time this episode goes out, we'll we'll know better if there is going to be protests. It looks like there's going to be protests in London on July 4th. Yeah. If you haven't written to your MP, I would implore you to write to your MP because at the end of the day, there's been a lot of U-turns in recent weeks. And so if enough, particularly Tory MPs, say, no, absolutely not, in Pride Month, will we be rolling back rights for trans people, then hopefully this piece of legislation won't go through in July, which is what Liz Trust wants yeah. and but by, by all means let Liz Trust know your feelings and I know because we have so many listeners send us messages I know that the community we've built around so I got to thinking understand and are on board and are listening which is all I think trans people really are asking and thank god for um everyone listening thank god for people like you 
Hello, we love Hi. you so much. I think yeah. I've had lots of because we've had since I went on Pointless, we've had a real spike in in both subscribers and in people reaching out as well. Yeah, which has been amazing. So in a really difficult few weeks, a huge thank you to anyone who has slid into our DMs. Yeah, um, thank you very much. So um, so let's let's crack on this yeah. week we are uh, have been watching season two episode 16 i believe was yeah. it good for you um dylan tell us what happens this week this is like possibly one of the most extra episodes of sex in the city like oh so God. much so much happens so much ridiculous stuff happens um carrie dates an alcoholic she does um samantha decides to have a threesome with a gay couple um <laughs> miranda buys new sheets <laughs> amazing in, in the most strange subplot miranda has new bedding yeah and charlotte goes on a quest to um improve her sexual prowess after a man falls asleep while she's having sex with him so they go to a, a tantric sex class <laughs> which remains i think one of the most cele- celebrated and iconic moments in Sex and the City. I yeah. really am loving Sex and the City at the moment. It's brilliant. And I think having Carrie be fr- properly free of big. So this is really the first time since the show has started that she has been living big free. And yeah. so it, it's really enabled her to go on a load of adventures, which yeah. I've really enjoyed these last few weeks. So should we start with Carrie? Let's let's yeah. deal with Carrie. So the big the big question this week is how do you know if you're good in bed? Which does <laughs> and- kind of fil- filter through, well, I guess... Charlotte and Samantha Miranda, Miranda bless her will come to poor Miranda later but <laughs> Carrie and Samantha and Charlotte are all puzzled and concerned about just how just how good they are in bed I suppose this, this question stems from actually let's start with Charlotte first so the question stems from Charlotte who is really worried because an optometrist is it an optometrist an orthopedic surgeon he's like a serious he's like a Surgeon, yeah. Mm, he, just <laughs> ca- surgeon. he does carpal tunnel. Yeah. Um, and he, the poor exhausted surgeon, falls asleep while inside Charlotte. Um, has that ever happened to you, Dylan? Mm, no, actually, no. Because I, I, I did think, because I anticipated that we would ask this question, um, and I had a good <laughs> think about, I had a good think about it, and it has never happened to me, nor, nor have I done it. I <laughs> don't. I think it has happened. <laughs> um, Max was once asleep, <laughs> and I, I was like, sort of like, I was trying to initiate something, but didn't realise he'd already nodded off. So oh, that, right, that okay. was that was unfortunate. But yeah. now I, d- I don't think I've, I've never been midway through sex with someone when either of us fell asleep. I've had someone look at their fucking phone. Midway through sex, yeah. Oh my god, was it their phone ringing or something? <laughs> yeah, it buzzed, and he just like picked it up, and I was like, um, "Hello, <laughs> Dylan, you're less good than a text message." What is the, honestly? What is this fucking George Orwell like reality that we're, that we're living in? <laughs> at least, well, at least he wasn't trying to put it on social media. He wasn't like trying to Snapchat halfway through. It could have been worse. I once threw up on someone during sex. <gasps> that's that's different. Oh my god! Because I get my hangovers really fast. Oh my god! Um. So yeah, I was in the middle of making out with someone, and I I didn't throw up on them. I managed to run to the bathroom. Oh right, okay. 
And in his credit, when I came back from throwing up, we picked up where we left off. So I hope did you like brush your teeth? I think I probably did it. We're going back a very we're going back nearly 20 years now, but yet but okay. yes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I did. I wouldn't be that bad. That, okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good to know. Mm. <laughs> but this this sets off a chain of events which leads Charlotte to sign them up for a tantric sex workshop. I can't remember the name of the woman who ran the tantric sex workshop. No, neither can I. She um, was she was amazing. Yeah, I really forgot how amazing this scene was. Um, mm. As if you are using an orange juicer. <laughs> <laughs> the goal of lingam massage. Um, I love like their chemistry in this scene because as you and our listeners will know by now I always love it when they like act like kids together Mm -hmm. and just have fun and this was one of those scenes and I also loved like Samantha starting off being sceptical but then gradually getting more like interested and being like you go girl by the end of it (laughs) he's gonna yeah Carrie and Miranda in particular were so naughty the teacher the teacher in me was very cross with them yeah Um, especially when Charlotte wanted to learn she had her little notebook (laughs) she really wanted to please her man that we never see again another example of Charlotte being quite a go-getter and quite adventurous when it comes to sex like she was like right well I'm concerned about sex so I'm gonna go to a sex workshop Mm-hmm. So, a, ta- yeah. a tantric massage workshop, um, which <laughs> she holds in her house because you definitely couldn't do that in a local learning annex. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Paul Miranda gets jizz on her hair. So that, like, that's one of those things where you see it and you're like, I cannot believe I just saw that. And, <laughs> and- a TV show in 1999 as well. So yeah, yeah. So Carrie dates uh, Patrick. Patrick Casey. Patrick Casey, who is very handsome. He's like a Starzo and Patrick Swayze. And I wonder, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's why they called him Patrick Casey, because the actor who has three men's names, he's like called Richard John Paul. He hasn't really done anything of note, it has to be said. I've looked, checked his IMDb. Um, he's one of those who, again, has plays a lot of like detective number three in like CSI and Law and Order oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Carrie... Um, meets him, as you said, in Greenwich Village. She gets stung by his cigarette. And and it's actually quite sweet. And I was quite proud of Carrie for being open to dating somebody who was in recovery. Um, Oh, yeah. I wrote down 10 points to Carrie for mm. not even... She didn't even bat an eyelid. No. And and Um, I never think, when you think about it, we're all in recovery from something. And I think that's really, really true. I think addiction, you know, we have a very set idea of what addiction looks like and and on TV, it tends to look like junkies or alcoholics. But I think since 1999, we've come a long way in, in, in understanding sex and love addiction as well. Yeah. Um, this is known as SLA. Um, it's a real thing. I will confess, when I started writing my novel Clean in 2016, I was a little bit sceptical about sex addiction. I, you know, it felt very celebrity. It felt very Michael Douglas and David Duchovny. I didn't understand how somebody could be addicted to sex. And it felt like an excuse to get out of cheating. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I cheated on you. I'm a sex addict. Whereas one of the characters in Clean is a sex addict. And, and so I had to do my research. And, and I realized that anything 
that gives you positive behavioural feedback, something that's intrinsically rewarding or has built-in reward, can become addictive, which is how gambling can become addictive. You know, what you're addicted to is that spike of adrenaline that you get when you win. Yes. And all the anticipation of winning. Yes. You can see how the same would be true of having an orgasm. Yeah. Um, And there's also lots in there about, like... um... I think we talked, we touched on this when Amru was on, like the relationship between like sex and uh, validation. That mm. might be part of it as well. I'm not sure if we like Russell Brand or not, but he's he's um, said lots of interesting stuff about his sex addiction. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, actually, Russell Brand was one of those books I read when I was researching Clean. He writes in a very unmisty-eyed way about addiction, which I thought was really, really good. And, and I think he put it into metaphors and analogies that I could really easily understand as somebody who hasn't had addiction problems. Although that said, I think partly... Possibly in my 20s, my relationship with sex bordered on problematic in that I was putting myself in some slightly risky situations. And so to get those sexual highs, you know, I wasn't necessarily putting my health and safety front and center. Um, And so it's only now with, with, you know, now that sort of six, seven years have passed that I look back and think, gosh, you know, that you know, on one hand was very sexually liberated, but you also weren't necessarily looking out for yourself. I've often thought about it as well. I don't think I am, I I don't think I am or or ever have been addicted, but Mm. there have been times when, yeah, there have been times when I've thought, could my relationship with sex be healthier than it is? Um, But that's different to being, that's different to having a sex addiction, I think, I hope. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Although I think, I think sometimes... And I know, I know people who have sort of gone into 12 steps programs in a very holistic way, sort of like, I think my relationship with drink and drugs and sex is problematic. And I think, you know, I need to, you know, look at my overall being and my body and my health and my psychology and my mental health as being one thing. I I don't think it's ever just one thing. I I think, you know, people who might have an issue with gambling are probably going to be compulsive in other ways as well. And that's something that Patrick hints at right from the gate where he talks about you know, I'm very compulsive. If I open a packet of biscuits, I I have to eat the whole packet. Yeah. And so maybe people who are compulsive are compulsive and maybe there is some sort of behavioral or even genetic precedent for that. And some people think there is a genetic predisposition to addiction. Um, and so I think, yeah, for, for me, it was questioning when, you know, I was spending a lot of time in sexual health clinics. You know, I dodged lots of bullets. I dodged so many bullets. Yeah. But I was sort of thinking, my God, you know, you're back at Dean Street Express for (laughs) for the third time in about three months. You know, like how how has this happened kind of in, because I wouldn't need to be at Dean Street Express if I'd have actually been making smarter decisions. What led me to make those not so smart choices kind of and so i think i think there's there's something there's something to it but at the same time i applaud carrie for recognizing that a lot of us are going through stuff and it's part of dating and you know i sometimes i hear this and you know you would see this on like dating apps oh i don't want any baggage you know oh i, I don't really want to meet people who have baggage well good luck 
Because I think, <laughs> yeah. I think literally all of us have some sort of baggage. And, and I do applaud Carrie for when Patrick is incredibly open and says, look, mm. I'm, in, I'm in the program and yeah. I'm not supposed to be dating anybody for the first 12 months. She's like, do you know what? Cool. Let's, also, get, let's give it a whirl. 10 points for that, but she loses points for prior to that, assuming that because he didn't call her back, he must just be gay. <laughs> Indeed. And that's a, that's a great place to take a little break because yeah. in part two, let's talk about Samantha and the sexuality of the new millennium. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be back in just one second. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there and welcome back. This season on So I Got to Thinking, we are being proudly sponsored by Brighton Gin, Brighton's independent gin distillery. So each week we are bringing you a recipe that you can perfect with Brighton Gin. And this week, it's new to me, it's the Chicory Collins. Ooh, I think I've I've met her um, in Soho. (laughs) (laughs) Performing at the glory. It's (laughs) Miss Chicory Collins. Um, Right, this one is quite complicated. You will need these things that you definitely already have in your cupboard you will need 200 grams of caster sugar half a teaspoon of caraway seeds half a teaspoon of fennel seeds one whole chicory head i mean who doesn't have that mm-hmm. 200 milliliters of gin two tablespoons of lemon juice 100 milliliters of chicory syrup a handful of ice chicory leaves so do water and lemon wedges 
So what you're going to do is, first of all, you're going to make chicory syrup. You are going to put the caster sugar, 200 milliliters of water in a saucepan, and then add all your seeds. Warm the ingredients over a medium heat until the sugar dissolves and bring to the boil. Turn off the heat and leave the syrup to cool completely before straining through a sieve lined with muslin or a coffee filter. Then to make the cocktail, chill four tall classes in the fridge and put the gin... Brighton gin, of course, lemon juice, and 100 uh. milliliters of the chicory syrup into a large cocktail shaker with a handful of ice. Shake until the outside of the cocktail feaker shaker feels icy cold and then strain into the glasses add a few more ice cubes put in a chicory leaf into each glass and then top up with soda water and lemon wedges serve immediately what i love about that recipe is it's so simple Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) but some people are really into making fancy cocktails my friends tommy and ed and ed who is our producer who will so he has to listen they're, they're always doing newfangled and crazy cocktails and you know what they are the kind of people who potentially have a chicory head in their kitchen as well Mm. i don't know what a chicory head is can't lie so let's get back to carrie and patrick so it all starts off fairly well in that you know he's quite lovely actually and handsome and i think it's very sweet how he won't sleep with her because he's worried because he's never had sober sex some great, some great physical comedy from um, SJP again, particularly that third kiss when mm-hmm. she just like kisses him on. It's such a visceral cringe and it's amazing mm-hmm. when she just like goes to kiss him and then just sort of like kisses him on his chin. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, that's so awkward. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they get down to it in the end, don't they? Thank goodness, yes. Yeah. And they have amazing sex, yeah. um, which is how Carrie answers this week's question, which is... Is she good in bed? And Patrick certainly seems to think she is. Although then this is the beginning of the end because unfortunately then Patrick becomes very compulsive around having sex with Carrie. And it's such a shame because I think we've all been where Patrick is, where when you're really vibing with someone and you're having great sex, it's really tempting to just be like, I know we've been going out a week, but I'm (laughs) in love with you. Yeah, and it is a shame. And also the other way around as well, when you like, when that happens, yeah, it's just... It's just different, um, different rhythms, isn't it? Mm, yeah, and I think we've all we've all been there. But knowing what Carrie knows about Patrick and being in recovery, you can see why the alarm bells did start to ring when, after a week and a half, he's telling her he's in love with her. So yeah, it ends with him screaming in the street, taking his oh, trousers off. Oh, which was yeah, which is bad because I didn't. That was the only slightly problematic note I found. Because I I slightly felt that scene was played for laughs. And of course, this represents a man who's been sober for 11 months and has had a relapse. Recovery is never a straight line. Part of recovery is relapse. So, you know, Patrick has probably already relapsed in the past. But um, it was a shame. I thought it was problematic as well. And this is very 90s, isn't it? Just like no one really saw the harm in like making fun of mental um, illness or addiction. And yeah, it was often punchlines, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and him him running naked down the street was was sad for lots of reasons. And then Carrie is slightly glib about it as well. In yeah, a- what does she say? She says something quite inappropriate, being like, I must have been amazing in bed or something to make him act like that or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she, she makes it about her and... and <laughs> I mean, the, of course. <laughs> the, the general vibe isn't kind of like, oh, I'll bear with him while he's in recovery. She washes her hands of it 
him and Patrick reaches out to Carrie a few weeks later and he says he's back in 12 steps and he's sober again but we the, the insinuation is that Carrie's like phew he was crazy god that could have yeah. been really to say that she's so open-minded at the beginning she's not particularly sympathetic when he relapses and and you know if you're if you are going to date an addict then understanding that recovery is not a straight line is really important so. I think I think now she would send him a nice WhatsApp message back saying, "Really glad that you're getting the help that you need. Um, would love to have a coffee with you again sometime if if you yeah. if you're feeling up to it." <laughs> so so Charlotte knows she's good in bed because she gives the doctor an amazing hand job. I um, love how pleased she is with herself yeah. in that scene. <laughs> yeah, um, Carrie knows she's good in bed because she causes an addict to relapse. Um, yeah. Samantha, meanwhile, knows she's good in bed because even gay men want to have sex with her. <laughs> yeah, David and David. Um, one of the Davids is really hot. Oh, the one on the le- the one on the left. The one on the left. Yeah. <laughs> I found the Davids quite gross, actually. They are so Clapham. They're so Clapham. They're so just gross, yeah. But yeah, I love that. You know, I always one of my common criticisms of Samantha's storylines is, Mm. oh, she would have just gone through with it. In this, she does. She does. And it's them who pull out, so to speak. They quite literally pussy out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This was a bit. It was a bit of a nonsense storyline. It wasn't particularly offensive is it i guess is it problematic that david and david are repulsed by samantha's vagina it's the way that it was phrased so it wasn't like they were visibly grossed out that would have annoyed me they just sort of were like oh um let's all put our clothes on and go out for ice cream which was quite funny yeah i thought they were quite sweet the scene actually now this is interesting because I've only ever seen this scene through my eyes as a queer person, but yeah. actually it's quite risque. I I realised that too. Props to Sex in the City for having for including a sex scene like that would even be quite. It's even quite not controversial, but quite like oh, even now would be. Yeah, I think the same. Um, I think again, I might be wrong. I think this is the first time we've seen a gay kiss. In Sex and the City. Yeah, I think uh, so too. And obviously you can see they had issues around, right, we can't have them kissing Samantha's bare nipples. So we, we will we will have to <laughs> perplexingly kiss them over a piece of lingerie, um, which was a little yeah. strange. No, I, I liked that scene a lot. I thought it was, and this is HBO, you know, they are allowed to show that shit. So it's, it's good that yeah. they did. And, you know, snaps to them for continuing to very gently nudge the boundaries of what they could do. And especially with with a character like Samantha and with an actress like Kim Cattrall, who was always very uninhibited when it came to sex scenes. She was always willing to go there in a way that clearly Sarah Jessica Parker was not willing to go there. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed it. So actually, although, again, it's a comedy subplot, it's played for laughs, actually it felt... I don't think work Charlotte is going to have a problem with that. And I did love um, Samantha grumbling about how the Davids had rejected her and Carrie's repeated, 
they're gay, <laughs> yeah. um, which which just worked kind of. It felt affectionate. It didn't feel <laughs> yeah. like Harry was being homophobic. But my favourite line, I think, is Samantha's. Do you know, for a sex columnist, do you have a very limited view of sexuality? Yes, 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 she does. <laughs> I was like, finally, <laughs> someone has said it. <laughs> finally, I wonder if that was the writers being like, like listening to a bit of audience feedback and being like, let's have Samantha say this. And the, the lovely scene that we've put, we've already posted it on our Instagram about how kind of like, you know, in the new millennium, it's not going to be about labels and possibly the first time on television, somebody has said the word pansexual. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if for 1999, was that one of the first examples of the word bans- pansexual of, of a bisexual coming up I think Samantha had possibly used trisexual she'll try anything once possibly so um it was good of it was good of Samantha to call Carrie out because we are now within sniffing distance of the most biphobic episode the boy girl boy girl episode in season three and which we will make sure by that point hopefully we will be allowed guests in ACAST yeah. and we'll make sure we get a bisexual person in to talk about that episode. Carrie's very binary understanding of sexuality is a recurring theme. Like gay people are gay, lesbians are lesbians and there is no such thing as a bisexual and this <laughs> will become a problem later on. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm remembering some of um, the lines from that. Let's finish on Miranda's bedding. Um, it feels... we should mention Miranda's bedding I guess yeah a really nice line does everything I bring into this bedroom have to have a floor (laughs) yeah although I thought now this is you know when you have to hold your hands up and just be like oh shit and I thought I had originated the phrase the island of lost men (gasps) but no it's a Mirandaism there you go when when Patrick yeah, when, when Patrick doesn't ring Carrie because he's in 12 steps, um, Miranda says, give it three days and then send him to the island of lost men. I thought I created that. Oh, my God. It must have gone in somewhere in your subconscious. Yeah, like me and my friends use that all the time. <laughs> like if a man if a man ghosts you, he's gone to the island. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's quite a nice thing, just Miranda happy in bed in a different way. It's not to do with sex. It's to do with her creating a nice environment for herself in her bed, which I quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Field of dreams. Yeah. If you make it, he will come. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, the, so The bedding is, however, horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Horrible colour. So how do you know mm-hmm. if you're good in bed? Ooh, now, I think my slight... I'm going to sit on the fence with this one. I think an individual is not inherently good in bed. I think it takes two or more people to tango. And I think, so I have had moments where I've come away from sex thinking, oh my God, you are a firecracker. But then I've also had evenings where it hasn't worked and it's been more like with Burger, where it was like weirdly silent. Um, oh no. <laughs> and, and so it's kind of like, so it can't be me. So it has to be the connection with the other person. So I think it's much more, I don't think it's about, am I good in bed? I think it's, are we good in bed? Or maybe you've touched on something good there, because it really depends on 
um, what each person likes, doesn't it? So hmm. maybe to be good in bed, you need to be um, very flexible and tuned in to what other people like. Very much so, yeah. And I think sometimes as well, it's a bit to do with: Are you in the mood? Do you really fancy them? Is your heart in it? Um, and but I think that there are times, and again, I've had some amazing feedback where I've been like, "Oh my god, I am like." a professional you know I'm I'm so good at this but then there have been other times where I'm just like mm. in fact including once where mid-sex a guy literally stopped and said this isn't working is it so I was like oh my god oh oh no yeah. oh no yeah I mean yeah. we've all had kind of like there were t- there have been a couple of times where I thought I've been amazing, and then like as I like, and then I've been like leaving, and the guy's just been like, "Right, see you later then," in quite a sort of unimpressed way, <laughs> and I've just been like, "Oh, maybe I wasn't that amazing then." But yeah, you never know. Yeah, and the man actually, the man who did stop me was we've mentioned him on this podcast before. He was the man with no soul, so perhaps it's not surprising. That we had bad sex. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I I like to think I have been good in bed, but not always. But um, I think as well, let's not be shy. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. And and I've certainly had enough practice. <laughs> as have so, as have I. <laughs> although then it's funny because now that I'm older, if somebody was to say, Juno, what do you think makes a good lover? I would say somebody who is communicative, somebody who can laugh at themselves, somebody who isn't taking it too seriously, someone who is adventurous and willing to try new things. Whereas 10 years ago, if somebody had said, Juno, what makes a good lover? I would have said somebody with a 12 inch penis, <laughs> someone who is going to go all night. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, no, girl, I want to go to sleep after 25 minutes. That's interesting. Sex, sex should last for 25 minutes and absolutely no more because I've got shit to do. I agree with that. People, people who are like taking a bunch of drugs to be able to do sex for seven hour stints. No. Read a book. <laughs> Um, What was I going to say? Yeah, so I think that's concluded it quite nicely, hasn't it? Uh, We didn't really speak to you there, Dylan. What would you score yourself? Do you think you're good in bed? I honestly have no idea. If anyone who knows me in that capacity (laughs) would like to write in and tell us, um, (laughs) then we can read it out in the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll keep you anonymous. If we've had that, that's true. I will extend that to my exes as well if you want to score dylan and i out of 10 um we will keep your names off it but um that is a new feature that we will just run this just this one we're gonna regret this the, aren't we yeah <laughs> the the was it good for you test um speaking of messages we've mm-hmm. had some messages that i was going to read out oh so we've had an interesting one from victoria s in melbourne australia we spoke about um how single people might be doing in lockdown mm-hmm Um, And Victoria S says, hey, legends, loving the podcast. Thank you. I'm just listening to the one where you discuss what it might feel like for single people during lockdown. I'm single and an introvert and I have absolutely thrived. My mental health is the best it's been in years. I live in Melbourne, Australia, where our lockdown has recently eased enormously. And when I heard that that was happening, my heart sincerely sank. I have loved my quiet time, been cooking, reading and listening to loads of podcasts. So I now just have to work on saying no to people once real life resumes so I can do more of the same. 
Um, Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, we did make an assumption. I've got one here from, I won't say who it is because I've not asked if they're okay to share it, but um, a person says, yes, yes, yes. I've been binging your podcast ever since hearing it was a thing on Pointless. I just wanted to write to express how important I think this podcast is. I'm sure you have messages like this all the time. I only got into Sex and the City last year, but loved it, even though, of course, there are deeply problematic storylines and would love (laughs) the show to come back with a more modern feminist stance. So yours and Dylan's thoughts on this series are so interesting and insightful. I think it's essential listening for modern people who have previously watched and enjoyed the show. I've just graduated from uni where I completed my dissertation on feminism and so the perspective of how the show goes so far and then stops in its feminist stance is fascinating. Even though I'm only 21 and single, there's lots I feel I've learned about previous relationships through it. The drought episode had me laughing out loud and resonated with how an ex used to behave. So thank you and please continue with everything you're doing. Oh, there you go. It's interesting um, and great that like Sex in the City still really resonates with people and and people of younger generations as well discovering it yeah for the 21 21? Mm. yeah um one more that i thought was interesting from um from jamie uh one of our listeners on instagram when we were talking about when the ladies went for a picnic Mm -hmm. and you said why what kind of picnic do they bring china mugs to Mm -hmm. well jamie says every time i pack pack a picnic i bring glassware or even stemware whatever I'm drinking, as well as China side plates and proper cutlery. This is partly due to cut down on plastic waste and partly because I just think everything tastes better that way. Who was that from, sorry? Uh, Jamie, one of our listeners, followers on Instagram. Jamie, I wish you were my friend in real life because that is so <laughs> fucking classy. So classy. Taking... I mean, 10, 10 points for the phrase stemware. What do you it. think stemware is? I haven't Googled it because I think that's <laughs> cheating. But what it what is stemware? Is I it like it's... glasses with stems? Yeah, I think it's any glass with a stem. Or it might specifically be like Prosecco glass, champagne glasses. Stemware, one <laughs> second. I'm Googling it, I'm cheating. It is, yeah, it's stemware is drinkware that stands on stems above a base. <laughs> and also stemware is definitely a pointless answer on pointless in a word round. <laughs> yeah. Words ending A-R-E. But yeah, keep the messages coming. They're always so much fun to read out. Well, it's, so... I mean, it's good for us to know that we're not recording these and throwing them into a void. <laughs> But um, no, we've had lots and lots of new listeners since I gave us a shout out on Pointless. I've had we've had a huge spike in new listeners. So if you are a new listener, welcome. Although presumably you did start episode one, season one. Like why wouldn't you? So yeah, so you won't be here yet. You won't you won't hear this message for some time. (laughs) Next week, join us for season two, episode seventeen: twenty something girls versus thirty something women. Which is interesting because Dylan, you are a twenty-something girl, and I am a thirty-something woman. So Indeed. let's see, we can have a battle next week. You can find us on social media at Juno Dawson and me at Dylan B Jones LDN. And the podcast is at S I G T T Podcast. And please do subscribe and leave us a little review if you have a minute as well. See you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.